Welcome to We've Got a Shoes Girl. We're a weekly podcast for women who are curious about politics. And my name is Carrie. My name is Skye, and we have our amazing friend, Full Circle. Sheena, you were our first guest. Yes, I was. So excited to be back with you guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Sheena is one of our dearest friends and also an amazing activist in the community. Um, Sheena is a Toledo Public School Board member. Uh, You are also the Executive Director of Equality Toledo. Um, And tell us a little bit about how you're feeling right now. Uh, Right now with the current climate, just a lot of different emotions. Um, One thing I'm trying to do is unpack all of them and channel that energy to make a change. So just stay in it and uh, let it control me. So a lot of different emotions, kind of hard to explain, like, you know, anger, sadness, uh, you know, the feeling of hopelessness, um, passion, just so many different things, just depending on what pops up on the news or your newsfeed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're really happy to have you on. I know I did make a social media post uh, the other day about maybe now is not that time to ask your black friends to teach you about race and being anti-racist because, you know, we know you're all exhausted right now with everything that's going on. Um, So I do feel a little guilty asking you to be on this podcast, but you were so gracious to agree. And we are really thankful to have you as a friend and just a person in the community um, who can speak to these issues and questions that I think a lot of people have, particularly white people, right? And um, white people like Sky and I, who are continuing to try to learn, continuing to try to be anti-racist. What does that mean? Um, and you always have so much wisdom. So I'm really happy that you're here to teach us because you always have good things to teach Thank us. You. So I just want to add the perfect time to have this dialogue. And that's why I said yes, um, because of the, events that took place in Toledo, I saw allies who didn't know or didn't understand how to be an ally in that moment. So I, I do want to take this time to say thank you for, you know, knowing it was uncomfortable and taking my emotions and, you know, feelings valid to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't, but reaching out still. So thank you. Yeah. So we have some questions. We want to give you the floor also. So feel free to just talk at will, but we do have a little bit of questions. And I, some of these questions I put together were questions that I continually see on my Facebook feed. And it's hard to kind of argue with these people sometimes or set the record straight. So talk to Sky and us and I like um, we are aliens from another planet that just landed and we have no idea why the black people are angry and we yeah. just want to learn. So I guess the first question would be, what is Black Lives Matter and why don't all lives matter? So I'm going to leave with saying this is my view mm-hmm. um, because I don't represent the entire black race and I will never do that. Um, I can say from my opinion, what Black Lives Matter is, is a a movement to say we have been hurt and we have been murdered and we, our families and our children, and we are tired of it and we demand some type of justice from the system that has oppressed us for years. And I think the difference between All Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter is 
we know that if someone hurts you, they will seek ju- they will have justice. Um, we know if you apply for a job with a most common name, you're most likely to get that job even under your male counterparts. Um, we know some things that just exist because of your skin color or your non-melanin skin color. Whereas black lives, we know that we won't. Um, we'll get stereotyped, discriminated against, um, profile pulled over. Um, the stats are there. And that's, a, I think the frustrating part is where stats have shown, you know, that we're three times more likely for this, 10 times more likely for that. And yet people don't understand why we need a moment in this movement to say, no, we need to focus and fix what's going on because it's killing us. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the difference in my opinion um, about black lives and why it's a difference from all lives matter. Yeah. I saw there's been um, a lot of you know messaging lately. And so the one that I really liked um, about all lives matter was that was the um, situation of the house being on fire. And it's like, oh, I have to go put this, this house on fire. I have to go put this fire out. And the house next door is like, well, what about my house? So don't all houses matter? It's like, yeah, but that one's on fire. So let's take care of that first. And I think that's a good metaphor. Um, yeah. So thank you for, for that opinion. Yeah. So what and I heard another one about, one about soup, your friends, you order soup until your friends get soup. And then the third, third friend says, what about my soup? And you go, oh, well, you'll get it. Don't worry. Don't complain while they're eating their soup. And they still are eating their soup, enjoying their soup. And yet the third friend is like, I still have not got soup. Yeah. And it's like, why are you complaining about soup? Because I haven't got mine. And that was like a really good explanation is we're complaining about justice because we still have not got ours. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So when you say justice, what, so particularly the protests that are happening recently around the country, what is, what are you, what are, what is Black Lives Matter? What is the protesters? um, What are they trying to achieve? So I think it's saying that we're tired. Um, It's enough where we are done you know, trying to pretty much function in society that wasn't built for us. Um, I think protesters are, are doing what the American people have done since they was born, like since we was here in the 1700s where if something's not right, you're not going to fix it, then we're going to throw tea over, we're going to burn this down, or we're going to you know, damage this, or we're we going to revolt in some way. And it's, it's actually in our history of rioting to get things the way we want them to. Um, and so that's what I think the protest is about, and so much more. I think it's, it's just pretty much we're tired, we're done. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So here's. I think a common question that um, people think about too, particularly I think 
elected officials um, that may work in a municipality that has a police department, right? Because so it feels sometimes it feels very much like you have to choose one or the other. You have to either choose Black Lives Matter or you have to choose Blue Lives Matter. And mm. so, and, and it feels often that you can't have it both ways. But I think for a lot of people, um, we do want police, right, to protect us and um, serve us uh, the way a police force is intended. Can we be both, I don't want to say pro-police, but how do you, how can you be pro-police and pro-Black lives? Well, first of all, I want to say that Blue Lives Matter is hurtful because I can't take off my skin color at the end of the day and go on to enjoy life. I can't decide when and where it's comfortable for me to represent my black skin. So when I hear blue lives, it, it, it's saying your life is equivalent to a job. Um, and that's once again where we're tired of that. And as someone who have police in my family and, you know, sheriffs in my family, I feel it's the officer we need to check who's ever doing wrong, but it's the system. The system mm -hmm. creates this uh, environment that is built on racism. Mm -hmm. You know, the police force was not built to protect the communities after the African-American slaves were free. They were built to police them and to bring them back into slavery, which is now called mass incarceration. Mm -hmm. And so that's the history and that's what it was built on. So if we're building on that, no matter if it's a good cop or not, that is seen and displayed because of the relationships. No matter if you have a good cop or not, the black community might not trust that person because of what the foundation that was laid for the policing of the community that we live in. Mm. So do I think it's a way to say, yes, you can be a, a pro-cop and pro-Black Lives Matter? No, because you can't be for a system that was designed to keep a, a community oppressed. Mm -hmm. um, can you be for reform of a police system? Yes. Yes, you can be reformed of a police system. Um, because I always say, you know, um, that just because my family's an officer and they may be good to me, doesn't, I don't know what experience you may have with them in the their uniform. And so I never say that I, I know good officers because I don't know their experiences with them as officers. Sure. So. Yeah. So tell us how we can be better allies. I am trying to learn more about anti-racism and how it's not just enough to just say, I'm not a racist. I have two black friends. I can't be a racist. Right. And I'm trying to learn how to actively be anti-racist. And so I don't know if a lot of people know the difference. Um, and, and so tell us how, what, maybe what you saw this weekend too from allies that was not good behavior and what we can do to be better allies. 
Um, the first thing, because of this climate, I think protest is going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are going to be an ally for Black Lives Matter, you have to do that. And by the ways you can do that is one, don't bring your rage to narrate how the protest is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, ask those leaders in that that at that protest that should be black people, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you need of me? How can I assist you in this matter? Is it holding a sign? Is it saying Black Lives Matter? Um, is it making sure that I keep the police from hurting you? Is it being uh, a legal observer? What do you need of me? Um, the things that I saw Saturday was, I feel, I'm going to say I feel, mm-hmm. I saw Saturday was, and I said white rage when I did my uh, Facebook live because that's what I saw. I saw, first of all, folks that I'd never seen advocate before. And that's fine. This may be your first time. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of hurtful too. Now you're pissed off. Where mm-hmm. was you at when, you know, Sandra Blaine, Tamara Rice, like it, now? Okay, so, and then they came because they was angry or hurt and decided to do what they felt to make them feel better and mm-hmm. the representation of Black Lives Matter. Um, and so with that, you know, I saw, you know, white males jumping on cars and white males spray painting cars. Well, I didn't see that part. I saw them, I saw pictures of that. Mm-hmm. Um, white males throwing water bottles at the police. And that for people, for black people who've been protesting and doing this type of work for so long is actually very damaging. And it's an insult mm-hmm. because we know once you go home, we have to still now live with in that community with that cop. We know our chances of getting pulled over is higher. We know, um, like we're seeing now, with labels of you know of terrorists, that that's going to be targeted towards Black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you come to a protest, pretty much know your role. And if you're unsure, like I said, ask the leaders that should be Black. Uh, leading that protest, what can I do? What do you need me to do? Um, and also be there to be like an amplifier, mm-hmm. but not the speaker of that protest. Um, and when you are walking in protest, you should be hot, be behind Black people, not in front of them, not leading them, not on the on the side. You should be behind because also this is a way that black people um when we protest for black lives matter is to regain some of that power that we feel has been taken from us and that's a couple of things that i would say if you're going to a protest and you are a non-black person uh marching or protesting with black lives matter some of the things you could do yeah i think that's good advice um i i think one of the things that I worry about too, and you kind of talked about this, but I want to be an ally, but I also am almost fearful of kind of what you said, like 
co-opting the movement and making it about me. And so I do, sometimes I'm like, well, it's not for me. So I'm just going to sit this one out or I'm going to be quiet. I think Scott and I have have witnessed in organizing around choice and stuff, men show up to our events, Mm -hmm. right? And then try to tell us, oh, well, you should do it this way. Mm -hmm. Remember, Sky? And so that's what I think sometimes that I'm like, I don't want to be that guy, but I still want to help and I still want to be a part of the movement. So Mm -hmm. when when you say amplify other voices, I think um, like that's what I want to try to do more of. Um, Can you tell it, like, how can we do that just in our everyday lives? Maybe not at a protest, but just in general. Well, first I want to say, if you are not a white, a white cisgender male, um, you are in a marginalized community. So just think how you would feel if that oppressor or that hierarchy person would come and tell you what to do and how to do it. And I think that helps a little bit. You, like you said, you wouldn't want a male coming and tell you how to be a woman for pro-choice, like what? Yeah. Um, and amplifying means if you have a platform, you know, give that to that person, give that to that black person. I saw also news reporters because maybe they were scared of black folks down there, I'm not for sure, interviewing white people about why they was at the Black Lives Matter protest. That's the most insane thing to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you so friggin' tone deaf? Yeah. It's just- yeah, I agree. Um, and, you know, and also conflicting, but I saw a video that's being shared on Facebook, and I can't remember what the protest was at, but it was a white lady uh, spray painting Black Lives Matter on the building, and the Black woman was like, don't do that. And she mm. was like, no, somebody told me to. She said, but I'm telling you not. And it was an argument. And I saw that, too, with one of the organizers for the peaceful protest that was scheduled, trying to talk to the cops, you know, to de-escalate the situation. And yet we had white folks yelling over her where she had to yell, shut up, I'm trying to talk. Um, And that's really what pretty much is amplifying means. It's like, I'm going to let your voice be the one heard, whether it's, you know, on the media, whether it's between the, the oppressor that we're facing that time or that day, uh, or whether it's in the meeting with elected officials, let their voice be heard. You you be there as a support, mm-hmm. or you be there as an accomplice to get them into those meetings, into those spaces. This is part of what I've really appreciated about this conversation around what allyship means, um, is really challenging ourselves to squash those stereotypes in ourselves and to just shut your friggin' mouth. Don't talk over people. Don't, I mean, we should just learn how to do that in our life anyways, mm-hmm. but it's hard for a lot of people, especially, um, you know, people who are used to having all of, all of the floor and having their voice heard every time and never being told no. It's hard to check that ego and we just have to stay vigilant because how, how else are we going to, teach others Mm -hmm. you know yeah and and also it's this is something different and i say different because i am i try to understand um so when some white folks called me and was like oh i'm just you know really checking on you and everything but 
that was so scary. And I never had a gun pulled on me and I wanted to scream, Mm -hmm. but I also know that is trauma and their trauma needs to be acknowledged as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But also they need to know that this is the feeling that we feel every day. Mm -hmm. And that's what I told uh, someone who caught me. And actually they caught me because we was going back and forth on Facebook about what I said happened. And I said, this is right here what I'm saying. You're not listening to my black voice. And I am that kind of person where I want to help you to understand why you're wrong. So you won't do it to somebody who won't have time to break it down for you. Um, Because that can mean an ended relationship. That can mean uh, imprisonment for the other person or or death in my eyes. And so I took that time to talk to that person and say, hey, what you're doing is not an ally, but also I recognize that you have trauma, but what you feel is what I feel like every time I get pulled over. That unknown, that if I'm going to get shot, am I going to be able to go home? Um, what's going to happen tomorrow? That feeling, um, and if you have been to a protest and are non-Black, that feeling is what we're fighting when we get pulled over. And I think that's the best way to kind of explain, you know, cause I still get asked, why do you get nervous when you see cops, when you are elected official now, or when you, you're, you're a legit citizen now, you know, like you don't do anything wrong. So why are you afraid? That feeling that if you've been to a protest that actually turned into a riot is what we feel and why we don't like getting pulled over when we are innocent. Um, yeah. But also what the videos we are seeing of what happens when you're black and innocent, no matter what. So yeah, it, it's just, it's become blatantly clear that it just doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they spray paid, they sprayed uh, Mace, our Congresswoman Joyce. Oh my God. Yeah, baby. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I can't believe that. It doesn't matter how, you know, how hard you work to be the opposite of a stereotype. And they, they maced her, um, yeah. you know, and a couple other elected officials with her, actually. Yeah. Um, I remember but- hearing stories about um, Amelia Sykes. She's a state rep. And mm-hmm. she, um, I think she was the one, is that right, Carrie? Do you remember? Or Sheena, do you remember? She was the one who got stopped by, like, the Columbus. Um, state House. Guard, state House. Yeah security people like multiple times Mm -hmm. to show her ID. Yeah. Whereas every other representative can just walk. And when she asked him, he said, well, it's because you don't look like a state rep. Exactly. I mean, even the fact that 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 her and her father are getting death threats. I know. Or promoting things that's going to help, you know, uh, the black community because of the high health disparities and protect other communities, all communities actually, from COVID-19 and the effects that it has on our, you know, economy. She's getting death threats for that, her and her father. Um, It just shows you it doesn't matter if you are, quote unquote, bunny ears, rabbit ears, the good person, you know, the one that doesn't do anything wrong is not that narrative. And I think that's why this movement, this time feel different from any other time does it feel different i was going to ask that because i I mean what is five or six years ago when the 
kind of protesting and riots happened in Ferguson, right? Mm -hmm. Ferguson, Missouri. And I was thinking about that today. It's like, nothing has changed in five years. Like we're still doing this. So it does, you, you do think it feels different. This I think around. it feels different. And I was actually talking to someone about why to me, uh, because usually, and it's sad that we have to say usually, um, when we see an unarmed black person get killed, it's very quick. Mm-hmm. It's really quick. You know, um, oh. I was, you know, traumatized by Tamara Rice because I had a son mm-hmm. and my son at the time wanted to be a police officer. So he, so he had fake guns, you know, to play with. So that traumatized, traumatized me. Um, and so did every other one, of course. But this one, it wasn't quick. It was nine minutes. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't give that, I think people who are on the opposite opposite side couldn't give that narrative of you don't know what the cop was doing, that split decision, that second. It wasn't yeah. that. You know, they didn't have a right to quote unquote fear for their lives. So yeah. it just changed that narrative. Um, and I think that's going to be the difference, but also the image you can't help but to agonize longer. Like I said, usually watching the videos of other unarmed innocents, you know, black people or hearing about it, it's rather a quick and then kind of brushed under real quick. Like, oh, well, this is why, 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 this is why, why, why. There's no why behind this. There's, you can't have a why behind George, uh, Floyd's death. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's the thing I think is different. And that's why I think more people are feeling these emotions and are joining protests for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to figure out what to do. Cause I think we're all traumatized, um, by it. I think it's, a, it's, I keep thinking about in my own, just social media bubble, right. Or my own where they're, I'm trying to have these conversations with other white people, mm-hmm. trying to tell them that all lives matter is the wrong thing to say, trying to explain to them why protesting is effective. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the last few days have been very emotional and exhausting. And then I think like, if it's emotional and, and exhausting for me, what is it like for you and yeah. other black people? So how do you, I, this is an, I have a number of questions here, but one, how do you not lose hope? Because it feels very hopeless and it feels like the world is on fire and it's, I mean, I just want to cry all the time. How, how do you stay hopeful? And then also how do you take care of yourself too, when you're constantly inundated with like, well, all lives matter and blue lives matter. And, you know, kind of the trolls on Facebook who are condemning the looters and condemning the protesters. Like, how do you how do you care for yourself and still keep some faith alive? I, and I think this is the thing to black folks, in my opinion, don't have that option to feel hopeless. Even mm-hmm. though I said that was one of my emotions, I can't let it actually uh, exist in me. You know, I can have that moment, that moment of, oh my goodness, okay, this is what we got to do. We got to keep it moving. Yeah. I, I don't think we have that, that time to be hopeless because of our history. Um, and 
that's just another thing that I think adds to so many reasons why, you know, black folks have high blood pressure and all kind of health disparities because we have to think about that and keep it moving. Um, and just to know that, cause I, okay. So one thing that was interesting to me was, you know, people heard about the, the riot. I'm gonna say riot. I think, and this is gonna sound really bad. I think in Toledo, we got lucky. I don't think we saw the scales of Columbus, Chicago, uh, Minneapolis. We didn't see that scale where people, like, I know a woman, you know, through a somebody who lost her eye. Oh my God. Um, and she was there protesting because her son was killed by the police. So I don't think we saw that magnitude of other cities, which I'm grateful for, because I know once again, that means more black and brown bodies would have been arrested or harmed um, in that process. Um, but to try to remember that we have the opportunity now of the, of the world, you know, across the world, we have folks standing in solidarity with us, folks of different religion, different backgrounds. And so that's also something that keeps me motivated and not become hopeless because now it's, it's not like we was back in the 1950s where you only saw pe black people or protesters getting hosed or attacked mm -hmm. by dogs on one television. Now we have it instantly. And I think it's grabbing the attention of the world that this is a problem across the world, which it is. Racism mm -hmm. is a problem across the world. Mm -hmm. um, and when my family found out that Toledo was going into a riot, of course they knew I was down there. Um, and some reached out to me and I can only think of my grandma giving me advice because she was doing it in Oakland, California with the Black Panthers, you know? Um, and that is where I definitely get my hope at because I don't want my kids doing this. Yeah. We have to get it right now. I don't want future generations have to go through this trauma. Um, and even my daughter who's 19 said on her Facebook, damn, I never thought the history books would come to life. Mm. Wow, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, do, what do your kids think about this? Do they talk, do you talk to them about it? How do I you do, talk to kids about it? I do talk to them because if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Um, and I think that's why we have so much uh, ignorance around the situation because it wasn't in our history books. Yeah. Um, we don't, you know, we didn't learn about, and I'm not talking about black folks, I'm talking about all folks in our school system. We didn't learn about black wall street. Um, we didn't learn about Rosewood. And I think if we would have started learning that, even though it was very uncomfortable to learn, we would have fought against it longer before this. And so I want to make sure that my kids know why this is going on um, and what's the current situation. Because especially my 12-year-old son, he has to, he wants to go outside and play. So he needs to be informed, you know, what to do if a cop does pull up to him, which has happened already since we moved in this house. Um, and that did trigger his anxiety. 
but he needs to know that you are valued in spite of. Um, and my daughter is very, she's found her voice. She's always been an advocate, um, but she's finding her voice to be uncomfortable. And I say uncomfortable because I think a lot of black folks, you know, including myself, you want to be in a higher position. You want to have a title. And then you struggle with, if I say this, then would that remove me from the society that I'm trying to get into? And so she's starting to get uncomfortable in being her true self. Mm -hmm. And she's posting and she made a video for me to inspire me. So she's finding her voice in the movement. And I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, and like I said, I think you, sh I think anyone with children around children uh, or around children, I should say, should tell them what's going on. Yeah. Because if not, they won't understand why we need to change the narrative and talk about Black Lives Matter. Yeah. You know, talk about slavery, talk about Jim Crow, talk about, you know, health disparities. And so hopefully it will plant a seed for them not only to be better than what we're seeing, but also to work to work to fix the cause yeah. of that. Yeah. Hi, Vera. Hi, Vera. Vera, we've got you. Hello. Thanks for joining us. We, <laughs> we had some technical difficulties, so we're not able to go live on Facebook. So we're just recording um, oh, Zoom here. right now. Yeah. So okay. Sheena's kind of just, we've just been chit-chatting, um, but we'd like to also hear your perspective, too, on how white women in particular can become better allies for uh, Black Lives Matters uh, movement, but also just in general, people of color. What can we do, even when there's not protests, what can we do in our normal lives? Okay. Um, hi, Sheena. Hi. <laughs> I just saw your face. Um, pardon me that I'm a little bit tired today. Um, just carrying a lot of the, mm -hmm. the stress in my body. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess responding to, to your question, particularly about um, communities of color and white women, that's um, the perspective I'd like to come from. Um, although I'm Afro-Latina, I, um, I feel called to a sense um, to open up the space for um, for black folks, African-American folks particularly, to take the lead because there have been generational aspects that have happened here in the United States um, that my uh, parents and my ancestors did not face in that same way in South America. Um, but I do want to point out that anti-blackness is global mm -hmm. and anti-blackness um, is um, worldwide, we see the same sort of disdain, <clears throat> pardon, we see the same sort of disdain um, for blackness. And I'm feeling called toward the Latinx community and the immigrant community to not lean into um, the narrative of 
well, how come no one's marching for us? Or what about children in cages? And, you know, <clears throat> pardon. Um, and the thing is that these things are so tied together, right? Like mm -hmm. police do the work of ICE. ICE is a federal police force, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the closer one is to blackness, the easier they are to label as other. Mm -hmm. um, and there's such a thing as white Latinos, right? Like there's people that are a full European descent and they're like, what are you talking about? I speak Spanish. I'm like, yeah, Spain is in Europe. Like you're mm -hmm. just as European as anybody else. You just happen to like, have been born in South America. Um, but they want to claim the term POC here in the United States. Um, and it's like, you, you still lean into that whiteness. Mm -hmm. You still let yourself pass as white until people realize that maybe you have like one parent from South America or Central America, right? Um, so you don't get to take that narrative and, and try to make space for yourself um, in Black Lives Matter because you feel that somebody owes you something because you feel uncomfortable facing your own anti-blackness. Yeah. Um, and in South America, there's also um, been uprisings and protests. Um, we're talking Brazil um, is protesting, calling out George Floyd's name as well. Um, so this has been also worldwide spark. And we're seeing the Amy Coopers of the world. Yeah. They're yeah. not just in the United States, mm -hmm. right? they're they're everywhere and and the the screaming and the calling and let's be clear amy cooper wanted what happened to george floyd to happen to the man that she called the police on yes let's be very clear that was the result she wanted yeah. and let's be also be clear that she was she's a um a liberal a democrat right she's she's supposed to be on that side where we're progressive, you know? And yet when she was called out and told, hey, you're not following this rule, which is a minor rule, by the way, a small thing, she was made so uncomfortable that a black man yep. felt that he could say something to her because this space mattered to him. She would rather put his life in danger. Yeah. Um, and that is what MLK called the white moderate who um, in, letter to Bur in letter from Birmingham jail, he describes as uh, just, or I'm sorry, he says the white moderate who is patronizing and says, but don't disrupt the status quo and says not yet, because at least the, the KKK, you know they're coming for you. But the white moderate pretends to be on your side and as soon as you make them a little uncomfortable or get in, into that bubble um there's an issue mm -hmm. so that's where i'm that's where i'm finding myself is not only do i not tolerate anti-blackness as an afro person um i'm finding myself here in the united states there are 30 million Afro-Latinos or Afro-Latinx people. 
And there's 130 million Afro-Latinx people in, in Central and South America. And Latinx folks still act like race is not a thing in our community. Mm. Um, and I'm feeling very, very protective right now of, um, of this need and desire um, to say even POC right now, right? People of color, yes, people of color are affected. But you know what? We're saying Black Lives Matter right now. We can say the word Black. We can center Black folks. We can we can focus on blackness and the civil rights that belong to black people because it literally this whole country was built on their backs exactly not poc mm-hmm. right black i've people. been so appreciative vera of your voice on social media um around you know making space for healing and Oh, it just brings peace to my soul thinking about just like literally hearing your voice say that. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's the thing too. I, I, I'm struggling. Well, I was struggling with, but I, I, I'm like, I don't care anymore. I got to that point where I don't give a damn anymore. <laughs> um, because I remember, you know, when you're in these spaces, quote unquote, professional spaces, you say people of color, you know, POC, um, but I think to some, like, I don't, you know, of course, Vera, I definitely agree with you because I see it also um, just with biracial folks, you know, when it's comfortable, you know, and, and prime example, if I have, uh, well, I had an acquaintance um, who was biracial and what my dad would say, because he's from the, six, the 30s in Mississippi, they're passing. And so they would never claim they were black until they wanted to say the N word while rapping or something. Like, no, I'm black though. And I'm like, well, you don't say that anywhere else. And so I think I moved with the movement to say black, brown, indigenous because mm-hmm. it's definitely centering the, the, or I should say, un, like unpacking the people who do be black or be brown or indigenous when it's comfortable. Um, and that also is something I've been seeing. I don't know about you, Vera, about folks who may be biracial or uh, mixed cultured. That's why I say mixed culture. Like my son is mixed cultured because he's, because I learned he's not biracial because he's Arabic and black. So it's a different of cultures, but he would be considered black and white actually because his, yeah, we didn't get to that. But it's from he's from the, uh, upper European African, so he's not, you know. And so I've been seeing like, oh well, I say as a black person they shouldn't be rioting because I don't get pulled over because I take care of my life, and it's like you would not be pulled over because you look white you identify with whiteness and so that's the thing i've been seeing a lot and calling out a lot have you been seeing that as well on your timeline yeah i have so there's people leaning into that respectability right of like what we need is economic empowerment and what we need is to carry ourselves this way into and it's like i i don't want to fit in into the the mold and the model that was given to us i want to live the way that black people live and that's that 
and also to live the way that we feel like individually, right? To express ourselves because we're not a monolith, right? Yeah. Like black people are not a monolith. And just because you haven't personally mm-hmm. been pulled over, especially if you're white passing, um, it doesn't mean that there's not a systemic issue, mm-hmm. you know? And, and people think that anecdotes mean systemic. They're like, well, I've never seen, and that's yeah. what we see, you know, like that's passive racism mm-hmm. um, saying, oh yeah, I think it's so bad that somebody got killed. But did you see how they broke down those windows? And I've seen, I've seen stuff get, get described as like unforgivable. And I'm like, unforgivable, unforgivable is what they did. We will never yeah. get those people back. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and to see people that are like, well, as a person of color, and I'm like, Maria, you look white. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody would know that you're Latina or Hispanic mm-hmm. until they realize your maiden name was Gonzalez. But once you married your white husband, nobody knew. Yeah, that you were, you know, like I, I have a friend like that. Yes, and I think also we saw it when uh, with Cooper's situation in the park. It was so much outrage for that dog, and I'm a dog lover. I have a dog, <laughs> but it was so much outrage. Like, did you see how she was doing that dog? Oh my god! And then, like, literally, it was sad because somebody said, "I wish the police." would respond to arresting her for making a false claim like the dog rescued the the people rescued the dog yeah Yeah. and i was like because i was i I was like the dog the dog are you serious i should have killed and it was just like that's the thing where that like she said passive racism like they didn't see a problem with that because the dog was getting choked yeah thank goodness that black man didn't get choked um And I, I think it's really, once again, I want to go back and not because I'm a school board member, but I want to go back to putting those things in the history book. Mm-hmm. Because if they are shown and, and taught and not hidden in secret, like I, people are just finding out things about our history that impacts us of the narrative we're using now. Like people are like, you know, President, you know, Lincoln was great he was a slave owner mm-hmm. you know uh you know half our presidents were slave owners slaves built the white house and it's just like you don't know that because it's not in the history book so you feel comfortable to say those type of things um you know or to mention black on black crime when you don't have that narrative in a history book that said that, that show validation that folks kill who they're around crime happens with the people who they live around and there's no narrative for a black on black crime you don't have that because we're not taught that in elementary and middle school and high school so we get to be adults and try to defend on stuff that we heard uh i would say corrupt officials use mm-hmm. yeah we hear that kind of narrative just Spun and spun, and it's coming from the top, and it's so infuriating. Yeah, I have. I, I mean, again, I just will say it a million times tonight. I just have appreciated both of your voices, and um, 
I'm, I'm so thankful that you moved to be with us tonight. I really appreciate that so much. I think, and this is about how to be a, a good ally. Mm-hmm. So I think right now, like I said before, listen to Black voices, let them lead. But something you can do while sitting at home, while you're watching this, take the damn census. Oh, <laughs> yes. Because yes. what you're seeing out of all of this is the social economic injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, is the lack of leadership because we can't have people who represent us that will, will speak up about black communities because we are not getting that done. So the census can take care of all that and also register to vote and vote and support your local black and brown indigenous folks to run for office. Don't just tell them, go ahead, go girl, go boy or whatever, or go them. Actually support them with dollars and cents and, you know, canvas and knock on doors for them. That's a small way to make change. It's going to be a lot of different layers. I think that's going to be needed, but that's something you could do in your local community, in your city, in your state, is to do that. And that will create a narrative for the future. It won't impact us today, but we're looking at tomorrow because today we already been through. And that's my message. If you really want to be an ally to your Black communities right now, we need uh, funding to help fight the health disparities that COVID-19 uncovered um, to support and get funding to get Black social workers and mental health professionals um, in our communities. Um, So those are things that I'm working on and and having in dialogue. And I know, sadly, this is something we've been saying for years and years. and actually some organizations have done, like the Black Panthers started a lot of the programs that we use for uh, marginalized folks, like the WIC program, uh, the sickle cell anemia program. That was started because that was identified identified the need in Oakland, California by the Black Panthers. Hmm. So those things we can do today is take the census and vote, support your local leaders that are Black and Brown, um, Indigenous, and shut the fuck up. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to be PC about it. I don't know. I think the time for PC is is yeah. It's okay. You it's okay. You don't have a moment to say how upset you are. I get it. Talk to your white friends about your emotions. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. About your anger, and then you go to the leaders and say, "Okay, I am outraged. How can I help and support you?" Is my yeah. advice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I know Sky and Sheena have to jump off for a, another call. So um, again, thank you. We really appreciate you. And we hope that we can continue a dialogue too, because I know this is not just something that um, you get one lesson on and then all of a sudden you're not a racist anymore. Like this is something that we're going to need some continuous education on all of us. And I think, um, I hope that our listeners are are willing to learn along with us so we can all continue to be better allies if i may add one last item yeah, cool. mm-hmm. um one of the first books to read and to understand police violence and why the black panthers took such a radical approach 
is um, Asata. It's an autobiography by Asata Shakur. And there's no excuse to read it or to not read it because uh, there's a free PDF online because she believes in widely redistributing all the wealth. <laughs> um, so she wrote a book and then she distributed it everywhere. Um, she's currently still in exile in Cuba. And there was a while there where, where Trump during his campaign kept saying he was going to bring her back to the States and bring her to justice. Of course, he never found her. Yeah. Um, he never really meant it either. He, he wasn't going to spend the resources there. Um, but uh, the book is out there for free. It's also on Audible. Um, Angela Davis talks about it often. Angela Davis is a personal hero of mine. Mm -hmm. um, so right after you read Asata, pick up a book by Angela Davis. Mm -hmm. um, and again, no excuses because they're everywhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we can read them on our phone. Um, we can find them on the Libby app for free, which is from the Toledo Library um, or Lucas County uh, Public Libraries. So hopefully by the next time we come around, there will be some chapters that have been read. Yeah. Awesome. That's Love great. It. I wrote it down too, so I'm going to remember quote all of Martin Luther King's speeches, please, not just the ones that make you feel comfortable. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys so much again. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.